Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Canadian Podcow. Thanks so much for being with us. My name's Andrew Campbell, and as always, I'm joined here with my friend Sarah Sash. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Andrew. So you're finally back out in the fields there? Like, what's the status of the situation oh, in Ontario? My- Gosh, would it just like stop raining every 48 hours? Like, I, I shouldn't complain because we're getting along very well. It seems like I've, as of yesterday, I had like four fields half planted because you kind of go with one and then it get rained out. So you move to another one and you get rained out there. So we are very, very hopeful that within the next few days, corn is done here and we can kind of move forward and get going at first cut and soybeans and all that kind of stuff but like it sounds like things are wild around bc though uh same old (laughs) this year like same as you really it's been a really long wet spring and uh we're about two and a half weeks behind taking our cover crop off here and getting our corn in so when you fought the seeds for the corn last year, uh, we'll just see what happens with heat units and all that sort of fun stuff and uh, whether we can grow some decent corn before we got to get that off and put another crop in for the winter. So uh, everybody's slugging away at it. I, I noticed that social media is filled with pictures of people in tractors and uh, I really don't think anyone's trying to outdo anyone else. I think we're all just uh, trying to share the community of the uh completely untenable situation we're in because well, uh, my kids asked if their dad way. is nocturnal this morning so <laughs> <laughs> well you know what i kind of feel nocturnal too because it is one of those where when when the opportunity arises out you go and and it's funny because you do see a lot of those social media pictures and there seem to be a lot more like now than there was earlier in the month a lot more now that are like nighttime shots in the tractor because everybody's kind of like oh we're out of time it's time to put in a late night but you're right nobody's nobody's really trying to outdo anybody else it's just you know it it is that typical springtime rush where everything's maybe not going perfectly but you know we're, we're fortunate that things are things are going decent at least you know we're we're making progress check something off the list and move to the next thing so we're out there sitting in the, our cabs. We got lots of time to be thinking about our businesses, and uh, so I think today we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Um, but maybe uh, if you're listening to us while you're uh, planting your crops or doing whatever you're doing, uh, you could start thinking a little bit more about the business planning side of your business, the other stuff you got to do when you're not in the field, and as a suggestion you might want to think about some succession in business planning. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So like stop scrolling through Instagram for a few minutes. You're burning data. That's, oh my gosh, the data <laughs> suck. And it is one of those things that actually, it's it's very funny we're having this conversation now because last night I got, I, I am completely caught up on all my podcasts that I have. So I'm even looking for a new podcast to listen to. Maybe you've got a friend that's looking for a new podcast too. You should Tell them the Canadian Podcow. It's got a great succession planning episode because that's what we are talking about today. We're going to be talking about, you know, what it does for our families, what it does for our partners. And when it comes to planning for the future, you know, talking about the idea that communication is definitely part of the strategy. So how do we go about it, Andrew? I guess that's what we'll talk about today. But how do we start conversations? Where do we begin? How do we get going on this stuff? 
it all seems so overwhelming and it's just something we got to get done. Where do we start? So I, I think the best way to start is listen to this episode, accidentally share it with all of your business partners so they know it's the bug in your ear. And we're going to talk all that on the Canadian PodCal starting now. So today we're talking about business planning and succession planning for dairy farmers. And our guest today has helped countless farmers and their families as they plan for the next stage of their operations. That's right, Sarah. She is a regional program lead with the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association, covering the regions of Elgin, Essex, Kent, Lambton, Middlesex, Oxford, Brant, Haldeman, Niagara, Norfolk. Let me tell you, if you are from Ontario, you know that is a very large area. I am very happy. She is a neighbor of mine. So all of the stuff that we're going to talk about today has actually, I've, I've been included in many of her workshops. So I'm excited to share all of this um, with you, Sarah, and everybody else. Let's bring her without further ado, Margaret May. Welcome to the Canadian PodCow. Thanks, Andrew, Sarah. Thanks for the invitation. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Margaret. Before we talk about planning, uh, some of our listeners, including me, might not be familiar with the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association, or OSCIA for short. That is a mouthful. What is it and what does it do? So Ontario Soil and Crop has essentially two branches of the organization. It is a, a producer grassroots organization with a local chapter in every county in Ontario. And the focus is so that farmers will join and test new equipment, new products, new methods of planting, and share that information with each other and learn to move their businesses forward. The other arm of the association is very much involved in program delivery. So we were hired to deliver, to start to deliver programs for both levels of government. So for the feds and the province, as well as some private industry. And we've been at that for about 35 years. Our big flagship program is the Environmental Farm Plan, which I'm hoping everybody's heard of. Uh, and I think we're going to talk about some of the other programs that we deliver today. That we are, Margaret. And it's one of those that, you know, the environmental farm plan, I think for most Ontario farmers, not just dairy, but most farmers will be very familiar with that. Um, and, and part of ProAction obviously includes, um, right. you know, the the environmental farm plan. So everybody can definitely, if they have not completed that, need to look that up. Um, but today we are talking more on the business and succession planning uh, side of things and, and the programs that you've got there. Um Maybe we can start off, Margaret, with the idea of, you know, why is this an important subject to bring up around the kitchen table? Why do dairy farmers need to start to plan these and set some goals for their operation with these tools? Well, I think it's easier for all of us to kind of know what's coming, right? To set some plans, set some goals and have something to aim for. And we've, we've all heard the stats that, you know, very few farms in Canada have a written succession plan and, and sometimes not even a written business plan. So with, with sustainability being a big buzzword in agriculture, I think part of that is, you know, setting out a plan for your business, giving yourself a roadmap and giving yourself a path and a way to move your business forward. So the, the some of the workshops that we offer give you a chance to, to do that. And it's one process. It's not 
absolutely perfect by any means. It's one way to go about the process. And I think it's been fairly successful. I've mentioned this before in prior episodes, I think, but I'm always talking about the human side of sustainability. And I think that's what you're touching yeah. on here is that if we don't have people on the on farms, we're not going to be pr- producing food for Canadians and running our businesses forward. So this part is so important. And we're talking last episode about mental health. Um, how much stress, I mean, this is a loaded question you probably can't answer, but how much farm stress can be alleviated by having conversations early and often and getting a plan in place? Well, I think that the question about stress is very timely, right? Uh, right now around here, everybody's in go mode where they're trying to plant a crop. We're still calving, so everybody's running all kinds of directions. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a very good mind reader. I need to know what they're thinking, what they're planning. And and I think the biggest challenge we have in this workshop is to get the plan that's between the ears out onto a piece of paper so that everybody else knows what the plan is. So once we do that, that lowers my stress level, right? If I know what everybody else is going to do. And I I think that's the real benefit to this workshop is that it starts people talking and, you know, it, you may not, you're not going to come out of the workshop with a full written succession plan, but we are going to start you thinking and start you talking and maybe point you to an advisor that will help you get all of those ducks in a row and get everything lined up. Yeah, I certainly have found the same thing, Margaret, that even though I make plans and don't share with anyone, that maybe it's not what everybody else was thinking the whole time, that you do need that community. Yeah, imagine. I just thought they they would agree with me right away, and they'd know what I was thinking. It does not work that way. Um, and, And I'll actually be one to attest to that process because... I was actually trying to think back when we did the Growing Your Farm Profits workshops. I think they were relatively new. Um, I I vividly remember mom and I, you know, toured off. Um, You know, usually it's better we leave dad at home for these types of things. Um, And so mom and I, you know, we, we toured off to at least get the conversation started because we were in that process of like laying out a succession plan. Um, you know, we didn't have a written business plan at that point. There was a lot that we needed to do. Um, and and so when you when you talk about it as this place to start improving your business, that was certainly what we fu- what we found. Um, as you've run those workshops, where do you think a lot of other farmers are in the process and, and what do you think needs improving the most? when they do show up to one of these? From my perspective, most farm businesses are in about the same spot, right? You really don't have, you have sort of an idea of where you're heading, but you don't have it written down and you don't have the steps written down to help you get there. So even if it's a short-term business plan, like five years, it kind of calms everybody down because then everybody can look at it and see, okay, here's where we're going next. And then everybody will realize that, okay, we've set one goal for five years. Let's move on and set the next one. So it's an ongoing process. I don't think we can ever say we're finished business planning. 
Mm-hmm. Right? No, it, it's yeah. it's an ongoing process. The goals change. The roadmap changes. The people sometimes change. And sometimes there's lots of forces from outside that impact us as well. So having that written plan leaves you better able to react, whether you are taking advantage of an opportunity or reacting to a threat. But that that written plan, I think, is huge. Then, then in those plans, maybe you can break down a little bit. What what are maybe a couple of the specific components, um, you know, within those plans that a, a farmer needs to think through? Well, I guess what we're encouraging uh, in in the workshops that we offer is, you know, you look at your business right now, today. We have a series of worksheets that that are going to lead you through some fairly pointed questions. You know, some of them are, you know, are are you doing everything Canada Revenue says you need to do in terms of human resources? Do you have written quality plans for everything that you produce? So we're asking fairly pointed questions and we really want your answers about where are you today? Not where, where do you want to be or where do you want your neighbors to think you are, but really where are you? And if you're at one point... Do you is that critical to your business? Or does it make a difference? So if I want to work really hard on my production, my milk production, and that's critical to my business that I continue to do that, that's important. And you need to figure out what you need to do to move your business forward within the next five years. So some of those goals are going to be very specific. Right? Where do you want to be in five years in terms of milk production? And how are you going to get there? What are you going to have to do to get to your goal, whatever it is? Maybe some of the things that we talk about you think are not going to be very important. And and we always get into the discussion about marketing, right? So any supply managed commodity when in the workshop, they're going to look at us and say, well, we don't need to talk about marketing because that's all looked after. Well, is it? Are your bull calves all marketed for you? I don't think so. And probably you have some crop that you're going to be able to market as well. So use the tools that you have available to you. I had one husband and wife share with me that the husband had a hard time marketing because he spent all the time in the field and he kept waiting and waiting and waiting for the price to go up, right? We all want to sell at the top. He says, I can let my wife do the marketing because she looks at the books. She determines what the cost of production is. She knows when it's, you know, when we're going to make money off it. And she's able to pull the trigger because she's not quite as attached to the crop or as attached to some of the livestock. So I think that's a good tool, right? Use the strengths of the people that you have. And if that that thing isn't a strength within your business, Hire somebody else to do that for you. I have a vivid memory of two gentlemen who sat next to each other in the workshop. They they knew each other, but they weren't close. And, and one shared that his pet peeve was to have to sit and input data into his farm books on a regular basis. He absolutely hated that. So it didn't get done very often. And as a result, he wasn't very current with some of his inputs. So he discovered that he could he hired somebody to come in for, you know, a couple hours a week and do that data entry for him. 
And it turns out that the, the two guys who sat together, they share that individual because they both shared that definite dislike of sitting in front of the computer. So they learned, they got real benefit out of that workshop, nothing from what we prepared or shared, but they discovered they could share an employee and made a huge difference to their business. Well, and I think just having that kind of not even just like-minded individuals. I mean, you know, we're all farmers, you know, we share a lot in common that way, but coming to that workshop probably in a very similar state of mind or a very similar state of business in that you recognize you need help. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm just curious that, you know, while, it, while it's not necessarily relevant for everybody across the country, for those that are in Ontario, um, you know, these workshops, how does someone go about getting into one? So we, we offer these workshops kind of year-round in various locations across the province. You, you register online or by talking to some of us at the field staff. So Ontario Soil and Crops website is ontariosoilcrop.org, and you can sign up for workshops. The workshops are free. And there seems to be a bit of a feeling across the countryside that, oh, well, if, it's not, if I'm not paying for it, it can't be worth very much. And I would definitely disagree with you on this one. This workshop uh, has evolved considerably when, when, when we first offered it. And I've had some folks attend who kind of had part of their other life spent in Bay Street type businesses and are now in a farming operation. And their comment is this kind of a workshop would have cost them significant dollars, like $2,500 a piece, if they were to take it from in a business setting. So I think it's huge. It lets you look at your business and evaluate where you are right now with the help of some metrics. And then you decide where you're going to go. There's nobody in the workshop that's going to give you advice and say, well, you need to be you know, doing this. It's all, this is a process. We lead you through a process and all you need to come into the workshop is kind of a, a willingness to participate and a wanting to look at your business and move it forward. So it's a two-day workshop separated by a week because there is some homework to do. And we do realize that everybody has other things to do besides homework that we give you from a workshop. But it is an absolutely awesome workshop. We have had fabulous feedback and I would encourage everybody to come and find out. Well, there's so much to think about. I'm just sitting here thinking about the overwhelm of all of it and trying to piece together how businesses advance themselves in, in this industry. And really, like, we're forever calling this a succession planning uh, workshop, but what you're talking about is business management and business planning, really. And I think it's easy for families to be a little bit scared away when the session, you know, it's succession, succession. It always sounds like someone has to give something up and something, some new chapter is going to start. And really, it's an evolution and an advancement, I think, of a, of a business that started one way and kind of needs to transition into the, the next phase of its life. Um, so it's great to hear that these resources are available in, in your province. And I know here in BC, we, we do have some similar things as well. Um, but how do you think that the overwhelm can kind of 
like, where does a person start? So are you saying that this session is a starting point and, and then you can go from there? Are there next level things that, that happen? Like what guides you through this? Once you make that first move to start, how do you keep the ball rolling? So once, once you come to the workshop, there is a trained facilitator that's going to lead you through the process. We use a case study so that nobody has to bear their soul. We don't want to see your financial statements, which is kind of a common misconception. And we're not asking you for any of that. Uh, the the workshop, the worksheets where, where the targeted questions are asked, you have opportunity to take those home and discuss them with the other people in your business. Because let's face it, there, there's no farm that's run by one person alone. There's all kinds of people that have input and, and they need to be involved in the planning process. So I think our process breaks it down, makes it kind of more manageable. And we're not really saying you're going to come out of this with a full business plan or a full succession plan. We're going to set some action plans for your business, five years, 10 years, maybe two years, if that's what you're looking for. And we will provide you with all kinds of resources. And and maybe you want to move on to the next step, which is hire an advisor to help you through the planning process. Uh, the Canadian Association of Farm Advisors is an excellent spot to start. They have advisors within every province in Canada, and, and they're divided up by their specialties. So you're going to be able to look and choose some that are familiar with your industry, familiar with your region, and and you get to talk to them and decide whether they fit with you or not. I think, Andrew, you can kind of confirm that you may not pick the first advisor you look at. They need to be able to deal with your business. And it's like choosing everybody else that you work with. Do a little interviewing, check and see what they're like. If you feel you can talk to them, all good. If if it doesn't feel right, go find somebody else. Well, because it goes back to, you know, the point that, you know, you're hiring people if you aren't good at it or don't like it. And right. there are a, not a lot of farmers out there that are fantastic and love succession planning conversations for their family. So why wouldn't you want to go find those people instead? And so, um, you know, I, I, you know I, I can attest to that, that it, that it goes a long way in just... You know, I remember we actually had a few um, conversations after the workshop. We kind of let in and said, yep, we need a succession planning expert. And we actually sat down with a couple and ended up on the third one. Um, you know, the first two just didn't quite just didn't quite fit with what we were thinking and what we were aiming for. And the third is what we landed. And it worked really well that way. Um the other thing about it is very much, you know, you talk about just having that conversation, bringing bringing it home, the homework home and having the discussion around the table that, you know, maybe not everybody in the farm business needs to go to the workshop. Um, you know, they can be the lead, but I am also wondering that I've heard from a lot of farmers that struggle with even getting this conversation started around their own table that maybe, maybe dad or grandpa or grandma or mom, or even a sibling, whatever, says, nope, we're not talking about it. We're too busy. I don't want to. Don't worry about it. It's all yours. Like, there's a lot of those conversations <laughs> in this industry that may not fit with people, um, you know, may not fit with somebody that wants to come into the business. Um, 
I guess I'm curious, how, how do you think people should go about what can be a pretty tricky, maybe sometimes awkward, sometimes hostile conversation on this type of stuff? Well, I think we, we kind of give you some suggestions about how to approach some of those conversations. Uh, some, some folks have said, well, I'm, I'm coming to the workshop. I'm going to take the binder home. I'm going to leave it on the kitchen table. And then once somebody says to me, what's that book for? Well, I went to this workshop and I think there's some things in here I'd like you to have a look at because I'd like to have a chat. So, you know, choose the time and the place to have that conversation. I have a friend who said, um, you know, I, if I wanted the car at night when I was a teenager, I always made my dad pie for supper because then he was in a really good mood. And that kind of scenario doesn't hurt, right? Don't start this conversation when, you know, the planter's broken or the baler's not going to work and there's rain coming. Like you need to choose the time and the location and the place I think you need to rehearse what you're going to say. What are you going to talk about? How are you going to bring it up? It's not, do we have a succession plan? Because that's kind of an awkward conversation. But, you know, I've been thinking about what I'd like to do in the future. I think I want to be part of the farm. Is there room for me? Or where do you see me fitting in? Can I start by doing the books or can I start by whatever recognize your strengths and what you can contribute. Some couples I know have decided they were going to complete the workbook when they were on a long drive. So one's driving, the other one's reading the questions and that way they got through all the questions without somebody deciding, oh, I need to go check the cows or, oh, there's the fuel truck. I better go look after that. Right. There's no escaping they kept their mind on the process. <laughs> I do like that. There's no escaping. <laughs> no, well, it's, you know, you once you yeah, sit, nobody really wants to sit and answer questions. Nobody, we don't want to be introspective, really, I don't think. But we have to be sometimes. So it's a way to kind of force you to, to stay at it and get it done. And, and we have a really cool personality assessment that we lead you through. I don't know if you remember, Andrew, but... Um, it's a free personality assessment, so don't take it as gospel, but it's surprisingly accurate and it's always very entertaining. So I think once we recognize what kind of personalities we deal with in our farm business, you kind of think, oh yeah, that, that's how I need to talk to them about these kind of discussions. Okay, we've got to stop for a short break to hear from our sponsors, Margaret. You stay with us. We'll be right back after this. If you ask Canadian dairy farmers what it takes to become global leaders in sustainable farming, they might say, Conserving wetlands with Ducks Unlimited Canada. Working with clean farms to find innovative ways to reduce plastics. Supporting biodiversity with Tree Canada. If you ask dairy cows, well, they always say the same thing. Dairy Farmers of Canada, doing more today because we're here for tomorrow. Find out more at herefortomorrow.ca. Well, we're back here at The Pod Cow, and we're talking with Margaret May, the Regional Program Lead with the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association. 
Margaret, we were just talking about having some of those challenging conversations about the future of our farms. And even even just that, you know, having those, um, you know, business conversations, you know, as couples or business partners or whatever it happens to be, um, you know, I, I do want to maybe focus a little bit on that succession side, um, you know, a little bit more because it can be an enormous part of a dairy farm business. Um, you know, I, I, I'm curious, you know, from, from your view and seeing so many farmers come through your workshop, how important is it to, you know, think about what that transition looks like for a dairy farmer? I think it's absolutely critical, right? To go, we, we've talked about having a sustainable business, we want to be sure that those businesses are going to be able to carry on. And I guess that's a very important question to ask, right? Will the business survive the succession? So I guess if you think about, you know, a large dairy farm, probably yes. Some of the smaller dairy farms, think about those, right? If there are more than one family member who wants to be a part of that, will that business be able to survive being, you know, halved or broken up into thirds to accommodate everybody. So the the biggest question I would like everybody to ask themselves is, you know, will the business survive the succession? Or is it just that, you know, it's been good, now it's going to be sold to somebody else? And and that is a form of succession plan, whether we like to hear that or not. And I had a couple come to the workshop their, their children were not involved in the, in the business. They had, you know, started a lifestyle someplace else. And, and the couple were, were very agitated about, you know, how do we prepare a succession plan? And once we, the question came up, you know, will your business survive the succession? They kind of looked at each other and said, all we need is the real estate agent and, and put the sign out front. And, and they just, it just was like a weight had been lifted from their shoulders because their, their kids didn't want anything to do with it. They were ready to retire and then they had a plan, but they didn't need to write a full succession plan. They needed to sell the farm and then they'd already bought a house in town with a shop and, and they were all ready to move on to the next stage of their life. So it's, it's absolutely critical that we do some planning so that we can keep the business moving and keep agriculture rolling. I think it's an important point you make that what succession maybe looked like in the past, like if we just think about what succession means, which is farm transfer basically from one generation to the next generation and just carrying on as it was. Sometimes in the current environment, that's not really a tenable option. It, there's more people involved. There's more families working together in our province anyway it's not really necessarily practical for it to be a one family operation anymore just due to the cost and uh, it changes what the picture needs to look like and how the discussions need to be had and who all's involved in that so I'm sure that a lot of this becomes pretty heavy with emotion well I know that from experience um, for some people it's hard to let go for some people I mean I'm a daughter-in-law joining into the family and I work in the business so that's a a different bit that I deal with in, in working in the business. How can we manage the, the family emotional side of this as we work through, uh, you know, serious business conversations, but also uh, mindful that these are our, our family members, people we care about, and that there's a lot of feelings involved. 
Yeah, emotion is is heavy and, and tough for sure. We all live and work in the middle of the business, right? It's not that we can close the door and go home at five o'clock and not think about it again. The same people are there. The business is still there all the time. So I think working through the process that we talk about in the workshop kind of helps take some of that emotion out of it. So you're, you're focusing on a question. Everybody can answer the same question. And then have a look at the answers and see what the differences are, because they are going to be different. And you talk, Sarah, about the what I call the damn daughter-in-law syndrome, right? Everybody, that happens to everybody. But you have to, through discussion and through planning, figure out how everybody has their place. Because nobody, again, nobody reads minds. And, you know, a lot of... My dad's generation thought we could read their minds. We can't. And there's an astronomical uh, number of skills that outside people can bring into businesses. We're seeing now that, I mean, my role on the farm, I'm involved. Uh, I do bookkeeping. I mean, that is not my strong point, but I get it done. Uh, but communication and business planning and all of these things that we're talking about are skills that people joining your family can bring to the table and advance your business with. So it's all about finding out who's involved and, and leveraging those to the best of, of your business to see it into the future. And and maybe they're they're good at HR so they can help manage, you know, some employees. Maybe the social media is their forte and that helps with addressing the social responsibility that your farm has. Maybe they're the ones who want to be on the milk committee or you know, do things away from the farm to represent your business. I think everybody has to figure out where they fit in the puzzle pieces and then you can move forward, but you need to talk about it to be sure you've all kind of got, you're moving in the same direction together. Then, you know, I'm just kind of curious from the fact that there are so few written succession plans in the country. Um, tell me if I'm wrong. The last number I saw was like 10% or something like astronomically low for the number of farms, plus obviously the value of so many farms. Um you know, why do you think it's only 10%? Like from those ones you're talking to, is it just they don't want to have the conversation? Is it that they're worried about paying a succession advisor? Is it time? Like what's holding so many up from actually getting this done? Well, I think the the biggest obstacle is nobody talks about it, right? Nobody goes around saying, well, we got our succession plan done. That's not a sexy thing to talk about. You buy a new corn planter, everybody wants to come and see it. You do you tile a farm, everybody can see that you did that. So you have something to talk about. But a succession plan talks about how we feel, how our business is going to move forward, you know, who's going to be involved and maybe who's not. It's a very personal thing and and we really don't share that it's it's written and just because it's written doesn't mean it's done so I think it's a process I think there are a lot more farms in the process of planning for succession but they don't maybe have a formalized written plan 
that they've helped had an advisor help them prepare. And it does cost money. It does take significant time. Like it's not a six month job. Sometimes it's not a 12 month job because farming has to happen. So you don't have all your time and energy to devote to planning. You need to pick and choose those times that work. I think if we keep pushing away at talking about the benefits of having a plan that will spur more people on. And I think probably there's more than 10%, but it seems to be 10% that will admit to having one. And I think probably the other thing is once you admit you have a succession plan, you know, if I'm saying, well, we have a succession plan for here, that means I'm not involved anymore. I'm not here. And I don't really want to talk about that. I can definitely attest to the fact that when we started our succession plan, I was like, this is so easy. We get along very well. We know what's going to happen. It'll be fine. And not to say we don't get along well. Like, I I, I think we, we were fortunate that the succession plan was, you know, just kind of one coming home and, um, you know, doing that. But it took so long because you do get into that, like this time of year, I'm like, well, I'm not having a succession plan planning meeting. I'll do that in June. And then in August, you're like, oh, wait, we should have had a succession plan meeting. Like it just carries on and on. But it, it just is at least that process where, you know, okay, let's let's start that conversation and then set a time aside down the road and have another conversation and just try to, um, you know, basically almost make a plan for making a succession plan. Right. And I think that that committing to plan happens in other parts of our business, right? We do, you know, you plan your crop rotation, you plan your breeding of your cows, you plan when you're going to do hay. We need to just incorporate the business planning as another part of that. And if we keep at it regularly, it's like everything else. It becomes easier and it makes more sense. It keeps us moving forward. I think a person too, like for me, not to get too far down the path of my personal story, but coming into a farm business and uh, I came from the business world and joined a family farm and wanted to know uh, some of these things. So I actually picked up the planning side of things. And that was kind of a thing that I pushed forward for our family. You have to have someone who is actually taking that up and spending the time and driving it forward. And uh, in our case, we did a lot of this work uh, way back early on when I was just new to the family. And then we actually had the unfortunate circumstance occur of my father-in-law passing away. And uh, everybody looked around and was like, oh, what are you guys going to do now? And there's this huge loss of having lost a person from the family, like the person from the family. Um, but we had the planning in place that allowed him at that time to not be concerned with the business at all. Like he, we were able to focus on the awful family thing that was happening at the time and the business things were handled and there was a plan. And I think that brought peace, not just to everyone trying to work through the thing, but really to him to know that he could have some conversations with us at the end of his life and knew what was going to happen. And he didn't plan for that to happen to him at 63. <laughs> um, 
but it was really a good thing. So I think I've talked a lot more about it since then in that it's not always that it happens and there's no plan. Sometimes there is a plan and there's some real benefits to that uh, for everybody involved. So my question for you, Margaret, is what do you think, I guess I've touched on what I think kind of the thing is, is to have someone leading it forward and someone dedicated to that. But to you, what's the secret to a successful succession plan. I mean, we're all so unique. Different things happen. We can't control that we're all just in the mix of life here. Um, What should we do in order to not lose our way in the process and to actually get it done? Well, I I think having a champion is, is really good. If you've got somebody who keeps pushing, and you do have to push, right? Or drive, whichever way you want to go, push or pull. But you need a champion to to reinforce the the importance and the values. And I think the, you know, setting some short-term goals helps because if you can see, okay, in two years, we're going to be to here. And once you get to there, you think, oh, that wasn't so bad. So let's set another one. Just keep going. I guess it all depends on what your definition of success is too, right? We've had some some folks in the workshop that said, you know, we know that the siblings are not all going to be part of the family business, but we still want to be able to get together for Christmas dinner. Like we don't want any animosity. We just want everybody to be able to to talk and share their desires and their wishes and move the business forward. So it's it's a willingness to participate, a willingness to share honestly what they want to happen. And I guess there there are lots of frustrations in the process. In, in the workshops that we offer, there's an opportunity for folks to come back and have kind of a one-on-one session with the facilitator after the two-day workshop is over to kind of review the action plans and the goals. And in one instance... I talked to a mother who said, well, this is going really well, right? The son is, you know, planning to come home. He'll be here, you know, within two years to take over the business. And the next person I talked to was the son who had his own business. And he said, yeah, I'm ready to sell mine here and move to the East Coast to to start a new business. Neither of them knew that what the plan of the other was, and they were farming together. So true. So it it so comes I, back to the communication part is very critical. And the honesty, I think, is also huge. Yeah. I, and so I, I guess as you're speaking there, I'm thinking about other people. Like we've talked a lot about family people. We've talked about people joining the family. But I think it's becoming more practical Um, And in people that I've talked to across the country, I've heard some pretty neat stories of family businesses who have started incorporating some other people, um, giving opportunities at ownership and at management roles to people who are not necessarily from their family, uh, but are excellent people to be in agriculture and to to find uh, their place too in the business, maybe not necessarily as family members, but as business partners and as members of the of the team, I guess. Um, so how early should we start talking about this? Like, how can we incorporate the interests maybe of longtime employees who might look to transition into the business? Like, how can we start looking at this a bit differently and uh, creating a plan that, that serves 
everyone and really keeps the the business alive, like you're saying, and uh, keeps growing food or whatever it is for the future. Well, I think it's never too early to start, right? Everybody needs to start now. We all look back and say, well, I should have done that a few years ago. And there's lots of farm businesses where um, once you kind of evaluate what kind of expertise you have within your business, then you you notice where the holes are. That's when you can start plugging in some other folks to help fill those voids. So in a in a farm business where the the primary operators are, you know, not very old, I guess we we would encourage things to be done like power of attorney, wills in place, those kinds of things. Not necessarily a succession plan, especially if my children are you know, 10 years old, they don't know whether they want to be part of the business or not. There are not necessarily need a succession plan at that point. You need a business plan. But then when once you identify some gaps in the business or children get older and decide they're ready to come home to farm, that's when you, when you start to incorporate them into the succession plan or the business plan for succession. I, I think every business plan is a succession plan. I think if we if we left the name succession off it, everybody'd be more willing to participate because it's it's how's <laughs> where is the business going to go? How are we going to move it forward? The make more money forever plan. How's right. that for? Uh, we'll rename it that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, Margaret, I mean, I I think both Sarah and I could probably keep talking on this subject for a very long time, but we have taken up plenty of your time. We just want to thank you for uh, spending some time with us and kind of walking us through both what uh, the Growing Your Farm uh, Profits workshops look like, as well as this succession and business plan conversation. Um, Just curious if people are kind of, you know, interested in either you know, taking one of these workshops or just seeing what maybe some of the other programming you've got on tap is. Can you remind them where they can get more information? Ontariosoilcrop.org. There's a bunch of us on Twitter. You can find us, I'm sure. Well, thank you so much, Margaret. I'm going to track you down and follow you on Twitter right away. (laughs) Thanks (laughs) Thanks very much for the opportunity. Well, Sarah, it is one of those things where, you know, we we can just, you know, like learn so much. And I know like even if your husband's going to jump out of the car because you're having those long, you know, business conversations on the long drive east. I mean, I, I kind of like that idea. It, it gets you out of the busy mode. He would gratefully drive east to come and check out your barn, Andrew. <laughs> Think of all the think of where the business would be if you drove to Ontario, Sarah. Yeah, it stitches me some point in the episode. I think I said, uh, how did we just get this done? And then after I was like, done, shouldn't have said that because it really is something that you have to keep doing. Uh, you need your champion, you got to get going, and then you got to keep making time for it. You got to keep spending money on it. It's not different than anything else uh, in the operation. So I think that part of it, that it's always ongoing, you're not going to just do a plan, get it over with, get it done. But it's pretty neat how many resources there are available to farms. And uh, 
just listening to what you've got in Ontario kind of made me want to be like, oh, I wonder if they take transplants, like if we could see what your session is like and and do a bit of a swap because it's just uh, so many different parts to it. And the, the way that Margaret presented it sounded different than anything I've seen here. It starts to feel like when you go to succession things, you kind of, oh, you know, I've been to a few of these, I've seen the same thing again. But I think the variety uh, of things that are available uh, at a low cost to farmers is just growing and growing. So it's pretty neat. I just would like to encourage everybody to access some of that stuff. I've done a few free things in the last year. And it is true, like she said, you think, oh, this is free. Is it really? Nothing is free in the world. Someone is paying uh, for those programs to happen. And uh, there's good quality resources available to us uh, with very low barriers to entry. So get out there and go for it. Try some things and see what the fit for you is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I think that, you know, as you mentioned, that's the, that's the Ontario version of it. But, you know, as you, as you said, there's lots of other resources out there. This all comes from that agriculture policy framework. That's that federal provincial um, agreement. So, you know, that funding comes and that's what Ontario has done with it. BC is going to do something different. Other provinces are going to do other things. So it's just, it's just about taking maybe a few minutes, maybe making a few phone calls, um, you know, to that support network to see what's in your province. Um, because, you know, there probably is something along the lines that is going to help you think, you know, past the typical production stuff that we all love to talk about and actually think big picture what the business and what the transition is going to look like. Yeah, once you get your head in the space of looking for this sort of thing, you do have to be a bit sleuthy in our province anyway to like actually actively seek it out. You can't expect <laughs> all of this stuff just to come to you. So uh, taking that active role in trying to pursue this kind of stuff and getting out there and getting involved is a great idea. Well, as I mentioned, we could keep talking about this forever, Sarah, but we should let you... Uh, go thank you so much for listening to this episode uh, you know we we certainly wouldn't mind if you like this episode if you like where Canadian Podcow is going why not give us a rating give us a follow on social media if you've got comments and suggestions by all means drop us a note we're on Facebook and Twitter uh, and we even have an official email podcast at canadianpodcow.ca we get any emails last time did anybody we'll look, think to we'll, check the email? We should have checked the email, Sarah. We'll do that before the next one. I know we yeah. will. <laughs> send us a question. If you have a question so that we know we got an email, send us an email. So that's it for this episode of the Canadian Podcast. We'd like to thank Dairy Farmers of Canada for making this podcast possible. And of course, to our production team, uh, Bruce Sargent and Carl Belanger. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Podcast.